0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we are sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. You can visit the brewery that's located in Santa Rosa. Great vibes there. Good beer, good food trucks, dog friendly, everything you want in a brewery. Or you can order beer. You can go to cooperagebrewing.com. That's cooperage, C-O-O-P-E-R-A-G-E, brewing.com. You can order a case. They'll ship it right to your front door. It's great. It's the best way to get beer. You don't even have to get off your couch. Well, you do to go grab it like off the front step. But other than that, you don't have to leave the house. It's great. Alright, we have a playoff game to talk about. The 49ers beat the Seahawks 41-23 in the wild card round and we're going to break it down. Let's dive in.
0: Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
1: That was the weirdest blowout I think ever because it was 41 to 23 but it wasn't that close but it also felt like it was a little bit closer than that Does yeah that I track? mean
2: it, it was just a tale of two halves right it was sure. just two completely different halves I think there are so many different interesting aspects to talk about from this game because so much happened uh, from the 49ers perspective but I mean, we have to start with Brock Purdy, right? Like, yes. We, like, for me, I've been sort of waiting for Brock Purdy to turn into a pumpkin this whole time, right? And it's not that I'm doubting what he's done because what he's done has been legit and he's passed every single test. And it doesn't feel like he's being propped up and running a training wheels offense. Like, Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy is playing real life quarterback at a really high level and now he's done it in a playoff game and so what like driving back from the game i spent so much of my time thinking about like okay playoff wins are hard to come by right like Kyle Shanahan has 5 playoff wins in his career mm-hmm. like you think like bill walsh had 10 right like we th- we think about bill walsh and as one of the greatest coaches of all time he had 10 playoff wins
1: mm-hmm. so
2: like it's not that many right so you're like all right this is a playoff game this is really really like big time stuff but then i'm like well it's it's against the seahawks like against like a really bad defense like what do i what do i take away from this and look like i think brock's just like i'm more and more convinced and this isn't like this is pretty obvious but Purdy's going to be the starter next year sort of regardless now I feel like like unless he throws three picks next week <laughs> sure and they lose to whoever they end up playing like it kind of feels like we're at the point where Brock Purdy's just going to be the guy Um sure. and we can we can talk about that later but just the escapability continues to be the thing right like the Here's- two touchdown passes to the running backs were both like broken plays finds yeah. his check down, and they're just walking touchdowns. Like the the Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell TDs were basically the same, right? Mm-hmm. He, he accounted for four touchdowns today. Three three passes, one run, no interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo's playoff career, four touchdown passes, six interceptions.
1: Right. Only four guys have gone three touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and no picks in a game in playoff history. Four other guys. Yeah. So, it just doesn't happen. And look, like we've talked about it a
2: lot. Like it, it doesn't always feel like Kyle Shanahan can spread the ball around. Like first of all, the Niners are averaging like thirty-five points a week. Like you can basically just write in thirty points a game now. You can never do that it's with crazy. Jimmy Garoppolo. Right? You never could with Jimmy Garoppolo. Debo Samuel, one hundred thirty-three yards in a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey, one hundred nineteen rushing yards, uh, a receiving touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, he only had three catches, but it felt like his impact on the game was huge. 73, mm-hmm. 73 yards right and all of his
1: catches went for 20 plus
2: and blocking two guys on Debo Samuels 74yard touchdown yep and also being one of the guys in the face of basically the entire Seahawks defense after Jonathan Abram twist Debo Samuel's ankle at the early in the third quarter which yep. you know talking to players afterwards that was like a that was a real thing like they were legitimately pissed about that. Can
1: I can I talk about Brock Purdy before we dive into that? Yeah, sure,
2: absolutely. But Purdy, the the the, he was nine of eleven in the second half, and one of those incompletions was this ridiculous play to Brandon Ike that should have been a touchdown.
1: Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. The the thing that impressed me the most with with Brock was that he wasn't very good in the first half. Not at all. Nine of nineteen. He missed so many throws that I think he probably should have made. He threw multiple balls that could have been picked off. And his first throw of the game was like a shot play to Debo Samuel and he just airmailed it. And whether that was because the ball was wet or whatever, I don't know. But he looked like a rookie in the first half.
2: He said it was because
1: the ball was wet. Okay. So either way, he comes back in the second half and goes like you said, nine of eleven for a buck eighty five and two touchdowns with a rushing touchdown. His ability to not spiral is his biggest asset, because I think that's where when you talk about experience, it's like he's seen this situation before. Nothing's going to scare him. He knows that you know if you make a mistake in this spot, you can bounce back. And just the fact that he was able to do that, we've seen him do that before in the regular season, but he doesn't a playoff game where you don't have the cushion of okay there's next week that was really 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 impressive i was just i was i i don't to get kind of what you were saying at the top there i just i don't know what else you need like the the thing i I don't i don't know what other box you got to check
2: so i wanted like last week i talked to like guys on offense and try like I tried to figure out like when did they feel that like they could actually legitimately win with their you know quote unquote third string quarterback,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it was around you know the Tampa Bay game basically. I talked to the defense, some defensive guys who went against him on scout team, and one of them said really like a starter said something really interesting. He was like, you know, one thing that Robert Sala used to talk about was the difference between being prepared and being ready. Mm. And that being ready is an emotional thing. Like you can be mentally ready, but prepared is entirely different. And what stands out to what stood out to to this defensive guy, even when Purdy was on scout team, was that he was prepared. Like he knew exactly what, his, what offense he was running. He knew exactly what his job was. He knew what his reads were. And another guy I talked to just talked about like, he was like, yeah, this is obviously a surprise, but the thing that he's always had is poise. Mm. And that goes to what you're talking about. Just like he'll have a bad throw. Like either the first throw of the game, it looked like from it came out of his hand funny. Like it, it could have been deep to Iuke, but you had Tebow underneath. You like, what wasn't, you weren't sure who it was to. You're like, man, that's just a really ugly ball. And it's a little wet outside. Like this could be, this could be gross. And then next play, Right back to Brandon Ayuk for a twenty yard gain over the middle.
0: Yeah. And it was like, okay.
2: So nine and nineteen in the first half. In. Say that again. I said he was locked in. He was locked in. Yeah. So not like nine of nineteen in the first half. It was definitely ugly. And he was late to see guys and some throws were inaccurate. And I think he left the pocket a little early and was a little bit um, too quick to, to try to escape the pocket. And like the second half was just the complete opposite. Right. And I'm basically like it was nine of eleven in the second half, but I'm basically giving him, you know, ten of eleven. Like that. The, uh, honestly, I thought the Brandon Ayuk thing and I texted you guys this like I thought the Brandon Ayuk play that he the end zone pass that he dropped, that was like the best play I've ever seen Brock pretty make. Like the throw is perfect.
1: It it was one of the best plays I've seen a 49ers quarterback make. Like when was the last time you saw a Niners quarterback just evade the rush like that? And on that level, and then improvise to get outside and then pump fake a defensive lineman, sidestep him, and then just subtly sidestep another guy to then throw a dart to the open receiver in the back corner of the end zone. Yeah. That was an unbelievable play. Yeah. And if if Justin Fields does that, it's on every highlight show for the next six months
2: yeah I mean that would have been had I and, had caught right. it I think it would have made the rounds for sure
1: <laughs> yeah but I I, and so that's that's kind of what I'm saying is if he catches it we're looking at like an iconic 49ers play Yeah, like that's just a play that you know it's like the catch and the Terrell Owens play and the Vernon Davis play and it's like oh this right. is the day Brock Purdy like arrived
2: yeah yeah and so it was you know like The first half was pretty ugly, but just it's just real quarterback stuff. You know, like it's real. It's not like, oh, this is just some some gimmick offense. The 49ers are running and it's unscouted and teams aren't prepared for it. Like this is sustainable because Brock Purdy is actually running the offense. He's making progressions. He's making second reaction plays. And look, everybody he's throwing to is under contract for a long time essentially yeah right (laughs) like it's not like this is the the window uh, in terms of the offense and I guess you can make the same argument for the defense but in terms of the offense like the window is wide open like you have Christian McCaffrey Debo Samuel you're gonna extend Brandon Iuke after next season you have George Kittle under contract you have Trent Williams under contract like these guys are sticking around so unless Brock Purdy just somehow falls off a cliff which seems like really tough to to even consider given who's calling the plays given how open these guys tend to get and just Mm -hmm. the talent of these of the skill group it's just really impressive and it does seem sustainable and another thing i keep coming back to week after week the way kyle shanahan's calling plays he hasn't trusted any other quarterback he's had with the 49ers this much right it's not even close. It's not even
1: close. The fact that they were I thought I tweeted this before the game. I thought it was gonna look like that Rams game at Levi Stadium in twenty twenty, where yeah. Debo had sixty six receiving yards but ninety-six after the catch. Like and it was just good like Jimmy had like a four point eight eight. I thought it was gonna look like that, and they clearly didn't feel that Brock needed that. Like they were pushing the ball down the field and they were taking shots. And they were throwing, even though they were up two touchdowns late, on third down, they're still throwing it and getting it to Debo because Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy to just not make a negative play and to make the right football play. And I just, I I just, I mean, we're seeing it. So <laughs> I mentioned that that there's now five guys since at least 1970 that's how far back the stat head basically goes. Three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and no picks in a game. It's five dudes who have done that. Brock Purdy's one. The other one is Matt Ryan, another Kyle Shanahan offense in the 2016 playoffs. Like, it's very much like Ruiz talked about Stephen Ruiz from The Ringer on our podcast. Like, there's like seven guys, and then there's Kyle Shanahan with like 20 quarterbacks who are going to be just as good as anybody else. And I think we're seeing that. Like, Brock Purdy is who Nick Mullins fans thought Nick Mullins was.
2: Yeah, like so but why did Kyle just, he's good at football? Why why did Kyle Shanahan like Kirk Cousins so much? Or why does he like Kirk Cousins so much? It's because he, he can run the offense. Right. Right. Brock Purdy as a rookie can run the offense. Which is nuts. Which is nuts. But Brock Purdy is also way more athletic than kirk cousins Mm -hmm. and can do the second reaction stuff and can get away from sacks and throw the ball away and can buy time in the pocket and still make plays downfield or in in saturday's case buy time and find his check down running backs for walk-in touchdowns
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and like the niners scored 41 points and just really weren't that good in the first half offensively. No, like think about that. They played a pretty ugly. a pretty ugly half of offensive football, and still wound up with forty one points without getting like a gi- a massive special teams play, like a big return or you know like a pick six or anything. Right. So that to me, like. Just it's it's just one of those things where you you just get more more and more sold every week. But I do like the caveat is okay. This was the Seahawks, sure. And you know, and
1: I get that, I get that. But at the same time, it's a division rival who you've already seen twice, right? And they throttled a playoff team in the second half, and that's just not. Like, Seattle's not very good, and, and I think it was a 10-point spread, and I think a lot of people expected the Niners to kind of win going away. But the way they put their stamp on that game in the second half and over the final 30 minutes just went, no, 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 that's not how this is going to go, and just decided that the game was over. Like, that's a, that's a skill.
2: Yeah. And I thought on Thursday's pod, when we talked about it, I thought Brock Purdy was going to have 15 to 20 pass attempts.
1: And he had 30. 30. Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, 0 2 in playoff games when he throws 30 plus times. And I bring that up because it was the Super Bowl and it was the NFC title game last year. And the only time he's ever thrown it 30 plus times in a playoff game is when the game script dictates it. Yeah. The 49ers could have easily today been like, Brock, you're throwing it 20 times. And if we win 20 to 17, then so be it. But that's what's happening. But they trust him to put it in the air 30 times, even when they're ahead by two touchdowns. He averaged I think 11... it's very. I think it's very telling. He averaged 11 yards in attempts. Oh, did I? On the <laughs> on that that three touchdowns thing? Yeah. Is, <laughs> if you also tack in the 330 yards bit, Matt Ryan had 35 pass attempts to get to his 330 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty needed 30.
2: Just I'm gonna wild. I'm gonna pull up Josh Dubow's timeline.
1: Yeah, please, he's great because Josh Dubow he covers Niners for DAP. Yeah, and tweets about the Raiders occasionally.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, just I, I got to go back because there have been so many players since 1991. Oh, sorry, that's he's he's been tweeting about the Jacksonville game. Well, uh, obviously
1: wild game by the way yeah. holy chargers
2: yeah that was that was rough um rookie qbs who have won? no not that's not the one i'm looking for yeah so brock purdy 10th playoff game in super bowl era with 330 yards passing zero interceptions and four touchdowns combined rushing and passing the list patrick mahomes Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Daryl LaMonica in nineteen
1: sixty eight. <laughs> Daryl LaMonica, Notre Dame legend, the Mad Bomber. Like that's, that's the an thing. unbelievable list. It's an unbelievable list, and Brock Purdy's on it. Yeah, and not like by accident. Like you said, those are like broken play touchdowns. And he's a rookie. I mean, that's he's a, in that, his first year. That was his
2: first ever playoff start, and that was that was his performance. He's on that list with Peyton he Manning, by, Joe Montana, Kurt Warner, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Pat Mahomes, like a, a Daryl, LaMonica, Monica, a every, whole lot of Hall of Famers.
1: He's a rookie seventh round pick making his first career playoff start. Every quarterback who started today was making their first playoff start, and Brock Purdy had by far the best game. Yeah. It's not even close. And he's a rookie. He's the only rookie out of that group, too. It was pretty sick. You mentioned the ankle twist by Raiders legend Jonathan Abram on Debo Samuel. And you started to get into that. And I want to dive back in because I was ready to say that the Charles Ameda who fumble and the Nick Bosa recovery was the turning point. Because Seattle at that point, that was the 13th play of that drive. And the Niners were only up 23-17 at that point. Seattle was going in late in the third quarter to make it a 24-23 game. Yeah, a touchdown there gives them the lead. And at that Right. And at that point, things get tight. But instead, Omena, who causes the fumble, Niners go down and score a touchdown, all of a sudden the wheels come off for Seattle. But it sounds like based on what guys were saying after the game. It sounds like that ankle twist by Jonathan Abram was the actual turning point. Yeah. Which is nuts. Like what an idiot.
2: So Debo said after the game, the reason why like his ankle hurt, but one of the reasons why he like stayed on the ground was because he just completely lost his temper. And like he stayed on the ground he lost his temper and wanted to go and, like, fight whoever, but just didn't, and his ankle hurt, and he stayed on the ground, and then just kind of dealt with it, but it was, like, Brandon Ayuk getting in the face of everybody in the Seahawks defense, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I asked Trent Williams about it, and this completely left my mind until Trent said it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. You remember in training camp? Because I was like, have you always, has Brandon Ayuk always been kind of like this guy? Because he's, he's like, this yeah, he's dude.
1: squared up on Fred Warner.
2: Yeah, he wants all, like, he wants all the smoke. He's going up the chimney. John Moran stuff. Yeah. Or down the chimney. Whatever. Santa Claus. Whatever. Um, John Moran's Santa Claus. But, <laughs> but no, Trent. that's what Trent said. He was like, you remember when he tried to fight Fred Warner? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That that I remember. I remember that. That tracks. <laughs> right. Um. Trent Williams is obviously pissed. Like it felt like the 49ers were sort of playing like a team that just kind of expected to just roll the Seahawks. And then yeah. once that play happened, it was like, okay, it's it's playoff time. It's time to go. Yeah. And it was a completely different game from that point on. Mm-hmm. And I think offensively, like everybody said it, every it, like it gave them a lot of juice. Mm-hmm. And Debo had <laughs> like an amazing game. Like Debo Samuel in the playoffs, he's
1: like – built different
2: yeah man like I, we, we talked we talked about in the playoffs last year like debo samuel looking just like a hall of fame type dude like in the playoffs specifically
1: the 74 yard touchdown was unbelievable with unbelievable block by brandon Ayuk too, basically but blocking you, two guys yeah but just the fact that samuel continues he's in year four now five you're five now you're he five was in
2: the 19 draft
1: 1920 20. four years four years year 4 and guys still haven't figured out that he's going to get that corner every time and they need to take different angles it's crazy to me but i also think there's like a business decision aspect he's also Isn't fast no right we're right no totally he's definitely fast but like i think guys are still underestimate that like that's what i'm saying it's right. because I just don't think he looks super fast. You guys just haven't adjusted. And like I said, they're down 14 at that point. That touchdown made it 21. I think there's probably some business decisions happening too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, first, like you to be able to run a pitch to Christian McCaffrey, right? Like you run a pitch to Christian McCaffrey early in the game, it gets you a 68, 68 yards, whatever, sets up the first. I forget which score it was. Maybe that was the... Anyway, you, you set up a pitch to Chris... Or you mm-hmm. run a pitch to Christian McCaffrey. the it first through, touchdown. Yeah, it goes for almost 70 yards. You fake a pitch to Christian McCaffrey. You roll out. The defense obviously overreacts to McCaffrey. You have Debo standing wide open in the middle of the field with a full head of steam. And it just speaks to how difficult the 49ers are to defend with this group of skill guys. Because what mm-hmm. you had throughout the game was Christian McCaffrey lining up out wide, Kyle Juszczyk lining up at fullback, George Kittle lining up in the slot, Debo Samuel lining up in the backfield. Like there were a ton of plays where you're basically, if you're Kyle Shanahan, dictating what matchups you're getting. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is obviously not to take anything away from Brock Purdy, but I do think. Brock Purdy's not doing this just for any team in the NFL. Like, do mm-hmm. he's able to do this because of what Kyle Shanahan provides him and, and the skill guys, obviously. The Niners have such an advantage because if they want Christian McCaffrey on a linebacker, they can do it. If they want George Kittle on a slot corner, they can do it. If they want, you know, Debo Samuel on a linebacker, they can do it. Just based on the ability to line anybody up anywhere and they were doing that a lot in the seahawks game and you can just tell like man it's got to be so impossible to defend these guys because not only can they have guys line up anywhere but in any of these formations they have multiple plays they can run out of them one can just be a basic Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of the stuff we complain about with kyle shannon like oh that stuff looks really basic and it a lot of times, yeah, that looks basic by design because you can fake to it the next time and then right. create a play like where you have Debo Samuel get getting 15 yards of space and a full head of steam and he goes for a 74-yard touchdown. Right. Right. So that's really like the whole thing here is just the versatility. Right. and Christian Six of Mac-
1: 11 on third down, by the way.
2: After being one of five in the first half. That's so nuts. (laughs) So so they were five of six on third down in the second half. That's unbelievable. Of a a playoff game. A rookie
1: seventh round quarterback in a playoff game. So none of it, none of it makes sense, but it's also not like something that we can point to and go, well, okay, this is going to go wrong. Yeah, I mean,
2: if they get beat, they just get beat. But it's not going to be because, like, oh, Brock Purdy isn't good enough. Like, if the the, the offense can run in a way where Kyle Shannon can basically get whatever he wants. And if they get beat, they get beat. But it's not going to be because, like, what they have isn't good enough. Like, they have more than enough to win. Like, they're scoring 35 points a game, basically. Since yep. making Brock Purdy the starting quarterback, so man, super impressive. I thought forty-one
1: points and five hundred yards of offense, yeah, in a playoff game. I don't care who it's against. That's impressive. Yeah,
2: I thought Geno Smith was really good.
1: Geno Smith was excellent.
2: The fumble was obviously a huge play in the game, and it definitely it definitely swung swung things. Like it that was, you know, the the Debo leg twist was like the emotional swing. Yeah, That that fumble was the tangible swing in the game.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Because once they got
1: up two touchdowns, Seattle wasn't coming back.
2: Yeah. The Niners had just taken the lead. Seattle down by six. A touchdown there gives them the lead. It very much felt kind of perilous at that point. But then getting that turnover, going back and scoring the touchdown the other way, making it a two-score game, which is obviously way better than being down a point,
1: enormous, right? Right. And it makes it a two-score game. In a spot where they have to now be one dimensional, yeah, and they're just not. If you're one dimensional against the Niners, you're going to get beat. I kind of thought, to be honest, it was like a B minus C plus game from the defense. I totally agree. I was going to bring that up next. Nick Bosa was basically a no show for a lot of that game.
2: Yeah, DK Metcalf. They they just had no answers. Like as good as Travis Ward was in the Thursday night game, he got Metcalf it. got him back. Blamed. Yeah, 10 catches on 13 targets with two touchdowns, including that 50-yarder.
1: Hey, Diamandor
2: Lenore got a pick, though. Diamandor Lenore got a pick. What's interesting about this team... Charles who had a great game, too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. What's interesting about this team now, I still think the Niners' defense is good, and there's a chance it's still the best defense remaining in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But last year, they were winning on the back of their defense basically
1: mm-hmm.
2: the formula might have to be different this year. Like they might, this might have to be them scoring 30 points and hoping the defense can just, you know, like it's not going to be a situation where the defense is allowing 13 points. I mm-hmm. don't think, I mean, they still could, they definitely have that in the bag, but like, you know, they're going to go against Justin Jefferson or CD lamb or Mike Evans next week. Like. They could have issues. Yeah. More like different types of issues than they had during the regular season. And the formula, instead of just being so dependent on running the ball and playing a defense like they were with Jimmy Garoppolo, the formula might be like, no, they you, they got to get 30 points like they're going to need the offense to get 30 points to win. And to be honest, like in this modern NFL, that might be more sustainable in terms of being able to contend week after week in the playoffs Mm -hmm. than what they were doing last year. Like they won last year despite their quarterback play, full stop. Right. Now their quarterback play is a reason they're winning.
1: Yes. It also helps that they gave up six points in the second half.
2: Yeah. Only with those only six points coming on. Yeah, coming on garbage time.
1: They got to rest their starters in a playoff game.
2: And they're going to have an extra day of rest, at least an extra day of rest on whoever they play in round two. Yeah. So winning the Saturday game is big because if... So if the if the Giants beat the Vikings, the Niners play the winner of the Monday night game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That team is on playing... Sunday. On Sunday. That team's playing on a short week. Mm-hmm. If they and the Niners are playing on a long week with next day's rest. Mm-hmm. If the Vikings win, the Niners are hosting the Vikings. And on Saturday. Most likely on Saturday. And the Vikings will be playing on a short week. Well, the Niners will be playing on a regular week. Right. So that's, you know, while it kind of it's not ideal to be playing on a Saturday after the regular season ends, you do get a head start in terms of, you know, plays off or like right. in terms of like rest and load management if you will um and they got to take their starters out early in the game
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so you know is it is it picking nits to point out that the niners defense struggled and wasn't as dominant as usual maybe i guess
1: but to your point walker is also really good yeah and he had they were getting in a lot of like second and third and short and that's just hard i don't care what defense you are okay do you know how many yards walker had in the first half yeah yeah i i tweeted this out already i i I, so i know the answers but (laughs) go ahead
2: he had 54 in the first half on 13 carries
1: right and then two for nine in the second half two for nine in the second half crazy Um, And that's partly because they had to get one-dimensional. But honestly, the Niners coming out in the second half, down by one, and going, what was it? 10 plays, 75 yards in 7 minutes and 45 seconds. Like They just ate half the clock and got behind their offensive line. The interior of their offensive line was abysmal in the first half. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. If you took away (laughs) Christian McCaffrey's 68-yarder and Debo Samuel's 22-yard run, they had and Brock Purdy scramble. They were like under two yards of carry. Yeah, it was a like, it was I I forget the exact number. It was like eight for twenty or something. So maybe just over, but whatever. Um, and then in the first half, or to in the in the first drive of the second half, they just ran it up the middle, and they did all the things they couldn't do in the first half, and that's just demoralizing.
2: They also got a lot of help from the Seahawks offensive line in terms of penalties. Yeah. What would, what was the deal there? So had. So in the third quarter, when the Seahawks are driving and they're down by six points, they had a second and nine and got a Tyler, a seven yard pass to Tyler Lockett, which would have set up a third and two. Right. But they had an illegal man downfield and it's like a short passing play. Like, Like a quick hitting passing play, it's extremely odd to see a guy illegally downfield in that scenario, and it happened Mm -hmm. I think three
1: times. Yeah, they had three illegal man downfield penalties. It reeked of one of those things that like the Seahawks do that and get away with it, and the Niners like called the league during the week and were like, "Yo, these dudes have illegal men downfield all the time."
2: Yeah, because it it generally only happens on like screen plays. Like you don't see it on quick hitting pass. So that was super weird. But anyway, I bring that up because. So instead of third and two at the seven, it goes to second and 14 at the 19. Traverius Ward makes his best play of the day, breaks up the, the yeah. possible touchdown to DK Metcalf. So instead of third and two at the seven, it ends up being third and 14 at the 19. And the third and 14 is when amen who got the strip sack. Right. Obvious passing down, right? Like that's when mm-hmm. the 49ers most often get to the quarterback, third and long.
1: Obvious passing down where Smith couldn't just do it three-step drop and get the ball out
2: yeah exactly so that penalty was a huge play in the game man yeah so you know and that that happened a few different times but that that one really sticks out like the seahawks are going to kick themselves over some of the, the like the weird penalties with the offensive line but no man like the big takeaway today i mean at first it's brock purdy Second, it's the offense just turning it on and going into FU mode after the Debo Samuel thing and just playing with an entirely different intensity. And then third was, you know, the defense not looking great in the first half, but getting the turnover that they needed with a little bit of help from the Seahawks. But again, to your point, like they did, in essence, pitch a shutout in the second half.
1: The starters, the 40- anyway. The 49ers had. Six players today with plays of 20 plus yards. That's wild. Six different guys George Kittle, Jawan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. I'm sorry, it's five different players. Debo Samuel had 20 plus yard plays on the ground and in the air. But when you look at this distribution, just of like the stars, it's 15 carries for 119 yards for Christian McCaffrey. It's six for one, six catches for 133 for Debo. Brandon Ayuk gets three for 73. George Kittle gets two for 37. Like, George Kittle wasn't even involved in the passing game today. Would it shock you if they came out next week and George Kittle got 10 targets and got eight balls for 120 yards and two touchdowns? No. Like, they can just do that. Same with Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ayuk was at one drop away from having, you know, 90 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... It's just, it's, it was, it's unbelievable how good their offense is playing. I've said unbelievable a lot on this podcast. Great future song. Unbelievable. I know you like weren't even
2: born yet and your parents un- probably weren't even no, that's married. incredible.
1: Never mind. Yeah. Not incredible.
2: Um, the 1994 49ers offense. You were probably like 15 years away from being born or whatever. I was four years old. The last okay. Time that I just won a title. <laughs> Jerry Steve Rice, Young, S- Steve Young, waters. Jerry Rice, Ricky waters, William Floyd, Brent Jones john taylor this group skill group's
1: better than that yes just the skill no shade no shade to any of those guys ricky water's crazy underrated but christian mcgaffrey's better and jerry
2: rice is the greatest of all time obviously but like the combination of debo samuel and brandon iuke i think is better than rice and taylor yeah, I agree. On top of George Kittle. Especially
1: because that was late stage John, Ch- John Taylor, too. Yeah, and a big Later part. Stage.
2: Right. And a big a big part of me saying that is the fact that like Brent Jones was good. George Kittle is a lot better than Brent Jones. Yes. So like yes. the combination All of due that, respect gr- to Brent Jones. Yeah, I love Brent Jones. Like that team was like the reason why I liked football. But like still like football. But <laughs> out on football now. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you can hear it in my voice. I hate this game. Um, no, but like, if, if you're thinking about big picture and obviously, you know, Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator on that team,
1: mm-hmm.
2: just big picture. It's like, man, this is, this is potentially special stuff. Like with this group. Yeah. No idea if Brock Purdy is going to, going to be good enough to like win the 49ers a Super Bowl, but it's looking like it's not crazy, obviously, but like this no. skill group is better in that skill group. I think that's a take I have coming out of this.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that's that crazy. I don't know how many people would argue with you who aren't doing so from a nostalgia standpoint.
2: Well, their case would be like,
1: I mean, Jerry Rice is the greatest of all time. Also, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. Not necessarily relevant. Uh, Last thing here. Well, they might Uh, both have
2: Hall of Fame quarterbacks.
1: No, that's what I was saying. We don't. Know <laughs> uh, Scott Zolak, who is a Patriots quarterback and now does radio for the Pats. I saw this. Tweeted after the game basically that this reminds him of 2001 when a young team rallied around a quarterback and that this is Brock Purdy's team now. And I thought that was really interesting because, I mean, we've we've said a million times on this podcast so much can change between now and June so who knows what their quarterback situation looks like but I do think the idea of a team rallying around the quarterback and being like okay we're good enough to win a Super Bowl and we've got this dude that we're all buying in on and it's not like okay it's captain training wheels back there we're aft if anything goes wrong like they had a bunch of stuff go wrong today and they put up forty-one goddamn points. So, yeah, I'm with you. But
2: when I saw that tweet, I was—he's not—he's s- not Tom Brady. Obviously, that's not. I, so I was sitting next to Josh Dubow, and like honestly, like Dubow and I joke, Josh and I joke about like a lot of stuff when it comes to football. But he Michigan, is like Ohio State. For he example. is, yeah. He's—he's he's a brilliant person. Particularly when it just yes. like very smart, like yes. history of the game, like somebody with just a ton of knowledge has seen a ton of things up close, covered a lot of stuff. Go blue. <laughs> um, <laughs> You've thrown me off, uh, but I was like, I scoffed at that. I mentioned that tweet, and Nick and that Nick was sitting next to me too, and I scoff at it. And then Josh was like, "But you got to remember." Tom Brady wasn't very good in 2001 correct
1: like I think this he threw version two of...
2: touchdowns the entire playoff run Brock Purdy is not Tom Brady like thousand percent not Tom Brady I'm not He's I'm not better. even I'm not even going there I'm not entertaining it but this version of Brock Purdy right now is better than 2001 Tom Brady it's just a fact
1: and 2001 Tom Brady was in year two by the way right So I'm not trying to say... He's off to a better start to his career than Tom Brady has. Right. And
2: that's worth pointing out, but it's also worth, like, this could all end next week. (laughs) Right? Like, I don't... I'm not trying to paint the picture that, like, Brock Purdy is on this Tom Brady trajectory because the chances of that are one in a billion. Right? But, like, the context of that Solak tweet is like, no, Brock Purdy is actually better than Tom Brady was. When they make were making their first starts in the league,
1: yes, which that's is not true. That's just in it objectively and subjectively. That's true.
2: Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like I've I scoff at Brock Purdy being in the same sense as Tom Brady for obvious reasons, and any rational person should. But then you think, like, okay, well, you know, does does second year Tom Brady look this good? Like, is he is he on the list with Joe Montana and? I oh, I I'd del- I'd exit out of the window, but like every other every other player on that list that DuBao tweeted out, you know Peyton Manning and Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes, like it's crazy. It's crazy to Humbley. be on that list. It's crazy to be on that list in your very first start. Even crazier to be on that list as a rookie seventh rounder. Yeah. So anyway
1: wild crazy. stuff man it, it is wild I stuff I'd reached a point in the regular season where I was just kind of like okay this is just what it is now this isn't this isn't that crazy he's just a pretty good player and then he goes and does that today in a playoff game against Pete Carroll and a team that he faced already and a team facing the Niners for the third time and it was just like Business as usual. And the fact that you can go into a playoff game and be business as usual, where you're letting it rip and throwing from weird arm angles and creating plays out of structure, like that's just, that's a step I feel like a lot of guys take in year two or three. And he's doing it in start six.
2: They scored 41 points and were really
1: sloppy in an entire half. Hey, I have a stat for you, real quick. Okay. Before we get out of here, because I do have to go. I'm doing this from a hotel room, by the way. If it sounds like I'm talking quietly, it's be like quieter than usual. It's because I'm trying to.
2: You picked a hell of a hell of a month to decide to go on a bunch of trips.
1: Yeah. Well, my cousin's getting married. Take it up with her. Kind of selfish of her, to be honest. But <laughs> No. um, The 49ers beat the Seahawks three times this season. That's the same amount of times they beat the Seahawks between 2013 and 2021. Yeah, it's crazy. They were 3-16 against them, including the playoffs, between 2013 and 2021. And they knocked them off three times this year. That's really wild.
2: Your reaction to Geno Smith signing a three-year, ninety million dollars contract this offseason would be
1: what? Sure. Like that's just I I would that's if I'm the Seahawks, I'm offering it to him. Yeah. If especially with this in this division, the Rams are probably a dumpster fire. He was for a minute. Arizona's was, a dumpster fire.
2: He was really good, man. Like, yeah. got the ball out quickly, was accurate, got it to the right place. I was really only... impressed with Geno Smith. I was expecting a Kirk Cousins 2019 playoffs type performance from Geno, and he was much, much better.
1: The only mistake he made was the Lenore interception, where he tried to force it into a covered receiver in a game that had already gotten out of hand. And the fumble. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not putting that on him. There were four guys in the backfield.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It did it didn't look like it took a whole lot for the ball to get jarred loose there.
1: Yeah, it's true. I I enjoy
2: <laughs> I enjoyed like everybody on Twitter like, oh Nick Bosa, Bosa doing everything. It's like Bosa after
1: the game was like, the ball was right there. I just fell on it. <laughs> well, I think I think <laughs> I think because I think the TV copy I think said the uh I, I think he said that it was Bosa that knocked it out. Oh, okay, and it very much was not.
2: No, so it was just because you know how Bosa is like monotone and understated. Yeah, so like oh, the ball was just right there. It just <laughs> fell on it. it. Wasn't that great of a play?
1: <laughs> he did too. He like looked at it and then like pounced on it. Yeah, it was really funny looking. Yeah,
2: that was. And the crazy thing was too. Remember Omena who missed a sack like just didn't tackle. You yes. yes. Earlier in the drive, and it was like, oh, if that could have been bad. Yeah. And then he made up for it. Yep.
1: Six-round traded him, traded a six-round pick to get him. Yeah. Jordan mm-hmm. Willis had a decent game, too. Another guy, they... Eat. If you can just give away seventh and sixth-round picks for rotational defensive linemen, I think that's a great team-building strategy. Drake Jackson inactive? Yep. And Tyrone Davis-Price. And Nick So...
2: So my understanding is a 49ers. This is the one quick point and then we'll get out of here.
1: Okay.
2: 49ers are loading up on interior defensive line guys. And that's the reason why Drake Jackson isn't active because mm-hmm. they don't necessarily trust Javon Kinlaw to be healthy throughout a whole game. Mm-hmm. Just make Kinlaw inactive. Like if you feel like, like is Kinlaw playing awesome?
1: We had a nice tackle for loss today. On the first drive, I think.
2: I would rather have Drake Jackson up than Kinlaw. Like, if your concern is like, we we have to have him in that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But like, it's, I don't think it's this grand indictment on Drake Jackson that I think a lot of people think. I no, think no, it's no. more of an indictment on the fact that they don't trust Javon Kinlaw to be up for an entire game. Like to not leave a game after ten snaps with a knee injury. Right. And like if if that's your reasoning for having Drake Jackson inactive, I would rather just have Jackson up and Kinlaw down and roll that way.
1: Okay. We can run that up the flagpole.
2: <laughs> Until I see Kinlaw just like be dominant in any stretch. But like <laughs> right. this isn't this isn't like, all right, time to get time to get going, you know, time to like Time to knock the rust off. It's like this is the playoffs. <laughs> You're going to need to get after the quarterback a little bit. And Jackson no, gives you a better shot than
1: Kim on. Anyway, two cents. Okay. Anything else? I don't think I have anything else.
2: Okay. We'll have another pot early in the week. May or may not have a guest. We'll see. Might be a familiar voice. Might not. Never know.
1: Oh, boy. I love that tease by you.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah so we'll uh we'll have another uh, we'll record monday i'm thinking most likely well depending on how what happens in the vikings game will depend on the timing of the recording of the pod i think if the if the giants win and the niners play the winner of the cowboys bucks game we'll probably wait to record till after that game um, okay. But if the Vikings win and we know the Niners are playing the Vikings on By Sunday night, we'll just we'll probably roll with that. So Very Anyway, good. subscribe yeah. rate review. I've put good. a little bug in our in our uh, Our line to Cooperage and uh, threw out the Brock Curdy idea. Hell yeah, and it is it has been well received
1: Also tweet can Kyle. We get that like sponsored by can we sponsor that beer
2: I was so I was gonna say another thing that was brought up was what if it was a candlestick chronicles cooperage collab but it was a different beer it was a brock curdy I love that idea so we have two beers so we could have the candlestick chronicles hazy and then the brock curdy pills with candlestick up. chronicles yeah could be a Pilsner, could be a Pale, could be right. Something. I would prefer it to be Hoppy if we if we could. Ch- totally maybe like insane. a West, just, maybe a West Coast IPA instead. Of I a love hazy. that idea. I love that idea. I mean, Brock Curdy is just too, too easy. You just have you just have yeah. Kurt. Well, just he's have an Kurt Arizona a, guy. You just have Kurt in a in a red thirteen uniform. It's easy work. Easy work. And if you've been to Cooperage, you know how good the Kurt beer is. So.
1: Anyway. Yeah, beer always always smacks. Just putting putting a bug out there. We'll see. You were telling people to tweet me. Why?
2: Oh, if you want a Brock Curdy Cooperage Candlestick Chronicles collaboration beer,
1: hmm. tweet Kyle. Yeah, do
2: that. Don't tweet me because I can't see my mentions.
1: Yeah, tweet at me. I'll forward those on to the powers that be. And we'll be like, the people have spoken. And that'll be that. If even one person sends something, I'm going to be like, Kurt, this is a deal, man. The people want it. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, <laughs> <Come on>, everybody.
2: CooperDrewing.com. <laughs> check them out. Subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate everybody listening. Do it. what